these engineering fixes were good, but they really weren't providing me much information on how to prevent myself from getting cancer. Welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate humor performance both on and off the emergency scene. I'm your host, Kevin Housley. Let's get to it. Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast is brought to you by BruteForceTraining.com. Enter the code Firefighter Craftsmanship at checkout for 10% off your entire order. Brute Force Training provides unstable and odd object load training systems that are adaptable to meet whatever needs you want, and they will absolutely give you all that you can handle. Check out their new adaptive filler design, which allows customization down to five pound increments. This is a great option for ease of entry for yourself and your crew to get relevant odd object training that will help you perform on the emergency scene. So BruteForceTraining.com and enter the code Firefighter Craftsmanship for a 10% off your entire cart. All right, welcome to the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast, where we empower emergency responders to master stress resilience, foster a fulfilling career, and enrich your personal life. A uh, quick disclaimer that the opinions expressed on the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast belong to the individual that's speaking and do not necessarily represent the organizations with whom they work or are associated with. So today, super excited to, to welcome on the podcast, Chris Van Leeuwen. He's a career firefighter in a major metropolitan department in California. Um, I'll let Chris do a quick intro, but thank you, Chris, for reaching out. And thanks for uh, being on the Firefighter Craftsmanship Podcast. We're psyched to have a convo with you. Oh, yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me. Um, your podcast is great. Content. Love it. And trust me, I would much more prefer to be talking about like engine ops and hose and nozzle stuff. But uh, given the fact that it's January and it's cancer awareness, I think this is a really good time to bring this topic back up. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Van Leeuwen. <clears throat> um, currently 55 years old. Um, been in the fire service for coming into my 23rd year. Prior to that, I was in the U.S. Coast Guard for 13 years where I served as a uh, aviation survival technician and rescue swimmer. Um ex-competitive triathlete kind of hung it up about uh, three or four years ago and just uh, doing what I can to stay in shape. But aside from that, um, yeah, I've been at the fire department now for 23 years. I started as a firefighter paramedic, uh, became a paramedic supervisor, worked in that for a couple of years, and then actually self-demoted back to firefighter and then ultimately became an acting engineer and then got promoted to captain. I've been a captain for, oh, just about three years now. Awesome. So yeah, quite the quite the cool journey. Thanks for your service, both you know in the Coast Guard and of course to your local municipality there. Um, and you've got a good a good perspective by having multiple ranks in that organization and kind of working your way up. And I'm sure you have positives and frustrations like the rest of us do in all of our departments. Absolutely. Um, so excited to kind of to jump in. So really, you know, like you mentioned, you know, January's Cancer Awareness Month in the fire service and. Um, the conversation, I mean, for sure in my career, you know, coming up on 19 years now. And so for you in the fire service, you know, with 23 years on the job, um, we certainly are having a completely different conversation now about a lot of things. Um, obviously the focus of this podcast is really about, you know, stress resilience, mental fitness, um, how to empower our people before they need it. Um, but then also what are the resources after they might need some help too? Like how can we tie into things like peer support and those, those other options, talk therapy, things like that. Um, and so cancer is a big one, right? We're hearing a lot about, you know, there's different departments out there that, that 
you know, are eliminating PT and bunker gear because of, of uh, what the bunker gear is made out of. And we're talking about, hey, it's really important to wear your masks, which, you know, for us here in Colorado, we have a pretty healthy SCBA culture ever since I've been in it. And so some of those conversations to me are just kind of wild. Um, but yeah. then you talk to people that are in old established apartments and you still have some pretty crazy stuff that happens every now and again. Um, yeah, absolutely. The PPE, you know, so let's uh, let's kind of dive into the the cancer thing, because I know that's, um, you know, a big portion of what we're going to kind of talk about today. Yeah, sure. So I'll just go ahead and kind of talk about it and kind of take you back to 2021. Um, so I'm in my early 50s. I, retirement's on the horizon and I'm feeling pretty good health wise, but let's just face it, you know, our physicals, our annual physicals at work are pretty lackluster. And I don't really feel that they did much in terms of determining whether or not I had some kind of underlying illness I need to deal with, i.e. cancer. <clears throat> You'll have to excuse me, I'm getting over a bit of a cold. So I started doing some research on my own and I found a few avenues to pursue. And one of those was a, a full body MRI scan. And I thought about it for a while and I decided, you know what, I think I need to take my own health care into my own hands and just go out and do it. So I went ahead and I spent the money. I went to this place uh, called Prenuvo, and it's a full body MRI uh, scanning company. Uh, basically, what happens is they put you in the tube. You're in there for almost two hours. They do a full head to toe uh, MRI scan. And then about 10 days later, you get your results. So. I waited, I waited, and then I got my results and I opened it up and things were looking pretty good until I got down to the neurological section. And when I opened that up is when I found out that I had a tumor about the size of a marble at the base of my brain. And I was like, okay, very interesting. So I took that information and I went to my private physician showed him what was going on. He immediately uh, consulted me with a neurosurgeon and a neuro-oncologist. And where things get kind of gnarly is when they went back through my health records, I had gone in in 2017 because I was having some headaches and they did a CT scan and they, they had actually found a pea-sized tumor in the very same region, but they never told me. And so it went unmonitored for years. <clears throat> so um, I was referred to a uh, neurosurgical consult, went ahead and basically got two, actually three second opinions, if you want to call it. I, I got multiple opinions from different doctors out of, outside of my current network and ultimately decided to um, get radiation therapy, which has been completed. And as of right now, the tumors are not growing, but I'm on a monitoring program. So every year I've got to get an MRI to make sure it hasn't grown. If it does show continued sides of growth, then it basically means it's it's malignant and it's going to have to come out surgically. So initially I was offered the option. I was like, you can either go in surgically and take it out and not have to worry about it again, or you can do radiation, very low dose targeted, and we'll just put you on a monitoring program. And I, ch I chose that route because it was the least invasive. So let's fast forward. I take this information back to my fire department and I presented it at a union meeting. And shortly thereafter, quite a few of our members went out and got their own scans. <clears throat> and it just so happens that the captain that I was working with at the time, as well as my driver, went out and got their scans. My captain came back and found out he had an aggressive form of prostate cancer, that um, his PSA was normal, 
which is not impossible, but it's not very common, but he still had a very aggressive form of prostate cancer. And my driver um, has a aortic aneurysm that he had no idea he had. So the pre nuvo scan, aside from looking for cancers, also is really good at, you know, finding other things too that could be potentially life-threatening. So fast forward again, here we are in 2023. And since this information came out, we've been finding that more and more individuals in my fire department have cancer. And as best as I can tell, and looking at some of the numbers that have come up, you know, since I've been in 23 years, we have 23 active and retired firefighters that have cancer. Five of them have died, and some of them have had multiple cancers. But as it stands right now that we know that there's uh, 10 with prostate, one that had breast cancer, two with bladder, three with skin, uh, one with soft tissue carcinoma, ovarian, testicular lymphoma, kidney, pancreatic, and esophageal. And to no surprise, the prostate cancer is the most prevalent, which is 10. And I think the thing that bums me out the most is that of these guys that have cancer, there's at least three of them right now who are still on the job. And one of them is literally walking out of the firehouse for his last time into retirement with a cancer diagnosis, which is to me is just is really unsettling. It's 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 totally sad. So basically what happened was, is after I got that scan, I kind of decided, okay, well, what can I do to better my chances at maybe not getting cancer? I mean, the IAFF and even my fire department's cancer committee have done a lot of great things in terms of saying, hey, you know, don't wear your PPE while you're working out. Only wear it when you have to because of the PFAS. Make sure you have the right extractor to clean your gear. You're using the right soap. You know, make sure you do gross decon at the fire scenes when you get back to the station. Try to shower within the hour. Get your gear cleaned up, so on and so forth. But I just felt that it was kind of falling short. These these engineering these engineering fixes were good, but they really weren't providing me much information on how to prevent myself from getting cancer, okay? So I was introduced to a doctor, Christopher Holder over at Wild Oak Medicine. He's a naturopath. And I went in after meeting him at a volunteer firefighter um, event where he was doing uh, free treatments for volunteer firefighters. Uh, most of these folks have been fighting a lot of the wildfires up here in Northern California. And what he was providing them was uh, nebulized glutathione treatments to help de um, detoxify them. So I scheduled an appointment with him because I was really curious and uh, decided to seek treatment under him. And so what happened was, is he drew my labs first. And the reason why he draws your labs, both blood and urine is the blood is designed to figure out what's going on generally speaking, but to make sure if you're gonna be doing a detox program that your kidneys and your liver can handle it. Then the urinalysis will tell us, without getting into the exact names of each chemical, it'll identify 20 heavy metals and as well as 20 environmental toxins and molds that we might come into contact with in the fire service, which I don't know about you, but everybody's always talking about, you know, the products of combustion and you know, PFAS, but I think one thing that gets missed a lot is mold, you know, whether it's in the fire station or if you're going to those heavy content structures, you're probably breathing that that stuff in. And he also drew my uh, testosterone, my vitamin D levels, as well as he checked my cortisol levels. And to no surprise, after 23 years in the fire service, it came back, my numbers were extremely elevated. Um, 
we're giving you an example. So BPA, which is a common chemical compound that we find in like plastic bottles, the high end of, or the low end of the abnormal range is 400. My number was 1600. So I was four times the, the allowable amount of BPA in my blood. So it was extremely high. And that was kind of across the board. You'll be able to see these when, when your listeners go to look at the comparisons of the, two, of the firefighters that I put in there. And so the solution to that was to try to get this stuff out of my system. So all the heavy metals, all the aflatoxins or mycotoxins, and then um, um, as well as try to reduce my inflammatory markers or my inflammation. So he started me on a eight week glutathione infusion program. So what glutathione is, is glutathione is a naturally occurring antioxidant. It's like a super antioxidant. And when given IV, it, ha it, it shows great results in helping to clear out the liver um, or, and at least clear out all these, these substances out of our system. So I went back after my treat, my first treatment and had my labs redrawn and there was a 50% reduction in all of the, uh, the substances that we just discussed. And so he actually kind of set me on this journey to basically try to get the word out. It's like, look, as firefighters, you know, we would like our organizations to provide us with the things that we need. But when, as it relates to cancer, you've got to take control of your own healthcare. Okay. Preventative is really, really important. And when I talk about prevention, I'm not just talking about, you know, making sure that we, um, you know, decon after fires and make sure our PPE is clear. Preventative means you need to take care of yourself. You need to be pre-screened. You need to detox. And then if you do find out how you have cancer, there's a few steps you're going to have, you, you have to take. <laughs> you have any questions thus far? I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a yeah. lot. And I mean, maybe nobody wants to bid your guys' engine company with everybody being sick like that, right? But thank right. goodness that uh, you all were able to have this resource um, to get ahead of the curve, you know, and and that's really, really, really important. And I think you unpacked a lot of really good stuff. There's, there's great things that are happening to help, quote unquote, prevent cancer. And there's a lot of printables and downloadable PDFs from, you know, Firefighter Cancer Network and stuff like that that are amazing. Um, but they certainly don't address a lot of the elephants that are in the room. And I think you just kind of talked about quite a few of them. Um, but I, I think the foundational concept really is it, it would be nice if our departments and most, and some of our departments, not, I wouldn't say most just from talking to guys all over the country, guys and girls all over the country, but it would be nice if they were really, really trying to proactively kind of do these things. But some of these things cost a ton of money. And yeah. the fact of the matter is, as we work for government agencies, and I've talked about this previously on the podcast of there is that fiduciary responsibility that it's it's kind of hard and we have a set budget. And some of our departments, even when times are good, they're barely scraping by getting minimum staffing on the rigs, you know? And yeah. so the fact of the matter is, like I talked about in episode seven of about stress and how your stress is affecting other people, but more importantly, how it's affecting you is it's nobody else's responsibility at the end of the day. It is 100% your responsibility to take care of yourself and you get to decide what those steps and those avenues are. And you also get to decide what those tolerable limits are. And so, um, you know, hey, maybe I can't afford this full body MRI thing, but I'm going to do 
these blood draws that are a part of my annual physical, you know, or first step, I'm going to get a primary care physician, even though I hate going to the doctor or whatever excuse we like to tell ourselves. A lot of times that's because we're scared what they're going to find, right. but I sure as heck want to find it early and then, and then kick its ass. Right. Versus dude, you have stage four, whatever. I wish we would have done this test four years ago because we could have prevented it. Well, and you bring up so a, much technology that helps yeah. us in the prevention case, you know? Absolutely. And you bring up a good point. You know, it's if you look at a lot of the stuff on the AIFF website, especially a lot of the survivor stories, a lot of them found their cancer very late. And what we know about cancer, right, is if you if you have cancer, the earlier you catch it, the better off you're going to be. Because if you look at the 10-year survival rate for metastatic cancer, it's no different than it was 50 years ago. It's zero, Okay. But if you catch a cancer in stage one, those odds skyrocket, right? As long as it's maintained in the site of origin and it doesn't metastasize, your prognosis is going to be pretty good, especially if it's a hollow, uh, solid organ cancer. So the way I looked at it, and you know, maybe this will make sense, and you, you know, it's interesting you talk about doctors because I actually did an experiment. I took that IAFF check sheet on what doctors should look at to my primary care doctor. And aside from the basic blood panel, which really won't tell us too much. Um, he would not approve any of the other diagnostics that were on there, specifically the lung CT, MRI, and um, the colonoscopy, because I had already had one like five years ago, which is no big deal. Yeah, it comes down but to we'll talk a little. Pay for it, right? Yeah, that's, exactly. That's so, yeah. So here's the thing. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about that beast cancer. There's three hallmarks that we need to be aware of. Okay. What makes cancer cancer? One, it's DNA damage. Whether you're like me, you get you have those parents who are kind enough to pass you on some bad genes, or you get exposed to toxic carcinogens. And so on the subject of carcinogens, we know that the, the ones that we're exposed to at work, which are the products of combustion, as well as all the other chemicals and molds. But the other one too that we have to think about is sleep, right? I mean, I think the World Health Organization describes uh, sleep deprivation as a class one uh, carcinogen. So, you know, firefighting is now a class one carcinogen. So maybe we're getting the double whammy, right? Yeah, with, shift, with, shift work is also period. how to describe it, right? So nighttime shift work, they know from the WHO is a known carcinogen. Right. And, and there's countries across the world that are saying, hey, we actually acknowledge that first off, how do we change it when we have to have a 24 hour work cycle potentially? Um, and they're actually, you know, Belgium's really looking into some of that stuff. And it's really, really interesting. I'm really glad because I wrote down on my notes here in all caps, so I didn't forget it, sleep, right? Right. That's right. the one that, yeah, there's some people out there talking about it, you know, um, but that that's the one that the department is just like, nationally, you know, that yeah. they do not want to address it because of what our shift works. Well, as it relates to cancer, um, again, with the guidance of my doctor, um, I'm hopefully can offer you guys a couple tips. So, so we know that DNA damage is one of the hallmarks for causing cancer. Um, we know that immune failure is another, another reason. And what usually causes that stress, insomnia. So there's the sleep factor. Okay. And then of course the, the growth factors, what causes them to grow. So insulin, sugar, as well as inflammation. So when we look at cancer in us specifically as firefighters, we need to think about it globally, right? We, we, we understand about the, the chemical carcinogens that we're exposed to, but what about the other physical things that we can control? So 
basically the kind of program that I've established for myself in working with my doctor is understanding, okay, what can I do to limit my exposure to all of these things? Well, the carcinogens, I know what I can do. Like if they want me to stay out on my turnouts, I get it. I can do that until you get me PFAS free stuff. I'll wash my gear. You know, hopefully my fire station has a hot, warm and cold zone in it. So I don't bring the stuff into the fire station. And then, you know, I'm going to wash my hands after every call. And if I go into a heavy content house, I'm going to wear a respirator. Okay. So that we know, but what if you're working on one of those engine companies like we have that runs 4,000 calls a year where, you know, it's 12 o'clock at night, you're fat, you're, you're hopefully asleep. The bell rings, boom, you wake up, your heartbeat increases, your adrenaline gets pumped up, you jump in the engine, you drive through to the call, and now you're hovering over a drunk guy with PD on scene for 15 minutes, right? Well, cortisol is basically designed to be used in those instances, right? It's like, okay, we're getting ready to go to war, let's activate the cortisol, and small amounts of cortisol are great. But when you go on those calls, and you don't actually use it, right? You actually don't get after it. Your body says, oh, well, that kind of sucked. That was kind of lackluster. And all it does is just kind of holds on to the cortisol. And that's this is just a real simple way to explain it. So we come back and then we do it again. We do it again. And then we're not getting any sleep because what happens when we sleep? Muscle repair, the cancer killer cells go to work. You know, our cortisol levels get equalized. But when we get up multiple times in the night or we get woken up, multiple times or can't get back to sleep. It's just, it's a, a fight that we can't, we can't win. The cortisol levels are going to get extremely high, cause inflammation. And we know that that inflammation can lead to cancer. Okay. So what do we do? Well, I mean, I'm not going to start the conversation about what kind of hours I think we are going to work or should work. I love my schedule. Um, but there are some things we can do. And I'm sure you're going to have an episode on sleep, but as it relates to cancer, I'm going to say one of the things you can do right now is um, I take a cortisol manager. It's it's naturopathic. I take it um, when I'm at home. I take one per night. And when I'm on shift, just before I go to bed, I take two. And what that does is these natural ingredients help to level out or reduce my cortisol levels when they get elevated. So that's one way we can manage cortisol. The other way, as well as managing inflammation is, you know, cold plunge. Um, I cold plunge three times a week. Uh, I also cold plunge at work and I usually do it in the morning. And we know that cold plunging not only reduces inflammation, but it also reduces CRP, which is a, a C-resistive protein, which also is a marker for cardiac health. And we know if there's an increased level of CRP, that too can lead to certain types of cancer. So anything we can do to re reduce inflammation or reduce cortisol, um, especially on our kind of schedule, is going to benefit us greatly. So having a cortisol manager in place, and if you don't have that, you know what else works really well is you come back from a call, you take a shot of emergency. High dose of vitamin C will also help in that manner as well. So yeah, there's also too, and you know, a free, a freebie, or if somebody's skeptical about supplements and things like that, or, you know, I'm always kind of like, man, I don't, I don't really know what's in this stuff. And I don't, that's really not my jam to kind of dive in and nerd out on that sort of stuff. I'm too busy nerding out on other things. Yeah. Um, so I always am kind of wary of supplements, but a really, really simple thing. And there's a great study that I'll link in the show notes 
um, that was conducted about breathing and breath, oh, yeah. that's just using diaphragmatic breathing to reduce cortisol levels and the, the, the control group versus the intervention group. The numbers are completely insane. How effective a simple diaphragmatic breathing process was to, to limit, um, decrease cortisol levels over an eight week study. Like, yeah, I, I, I had read that too. And I guess my only question about that is, is it something that you have to practice? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cause like I could tell a person, Hey, here's, here's some really good breathing techniques, but if they don't put those into practice and, and yeah. do them on a regular basis, they may not be doing them correctly. Yep. Does that make, does that sound sure. reasonable? And, and, you know, I love like the shift adapt Brian McKenzie and Emily Hightower stuff over there of, you know, N equals one, that, that sample study is you. Right. And figure out what works for you and what, you know, if I teach you a box breath and I tell you a certain number to count, let's call it a four-sided box with four counts on each and a four second hold and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that might, that might be completely intolerable some, with somebody with somebody uh, se severe. I can't talk. I'm totally <laughs> serious CO2 intolerance, um, you know, where somebody's like, that's not even close to enough and they're doing a 12 second count. So with breath control and, and I will start to go on a lot of breath um, podcasts and things like that with resources and stuff like that. Cause that is something I'm very, very passionate about um, is figure out what works for you. But just realize when you when you do diaphragmatic breathing, it activates different parts of your bodies like the vagus nerve and all these things, which are stress reduction. It increases HRV, all of these things that help get rid of that cortisol, which is a stress chemical. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily a bad stress chemical, but like every chemical, when you have too much of it, it's really, really bad, especially when we look at that in a chronic state, 23 years, and maybe you've never done any uh, cortisol management technique, supplementation, breathing, anything like that. You're just like, well, I get, I do what I do. Cause that's what I do. The 23 years that has had a massive impact on you. So the earlier you can start this stuff, you know, the good old, the best time to plant a tree was yesterday yeah, you know, right. kind of a thing. Um, right. but just start. And so a lot, we got lots of resources on firefighter craftsmanship in relation to breathing, um, that are free or on our YouTube channel that are totally free and just start and see what works for you. And then do it. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would totally. To I would. I would totally encourage your listeners to um, to to get into that. Any anything that we can do to reduce these inflammatory processes is 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 huge. Yeah. Because you know, let's say you know, the minute our immune system fails, I mean, it's it's almost game over, right? We're behind the eight ball, and you know, there have been cases, you know, documented cases of people that have gone into spontaneous remission without any intervention because they have strong immune systems. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. It's actually, it's one of the reasons why they have such a um, big interest in immunology or immunotherapy for cancers is because they know that the body has the ability to heal itself. How can we enhance that? So that that's also very interesting. So the other one, of course, is, you know, the growth factors, what causes cancer to grow if it's in your system? Well, it's, you know, sugar and inflammation. Um, I'm not going to tell everybody to stop eating sugar. I mean, as soon as I get done here, I'm going to go grab a cinnamon roll. It's the size of my head because it's delicious. But just understand that, you know, if you have cancer, they're very, very greedy and they love to eat up sugar. And um, there was an interesting study done about some women with breast, uh, stage three breast cancer. One woman in the, in the group, when she was going through her treatment, went through a com just a completely keto diet, sugar-free. She was the only woman out of the group that actually lived. All the others died. 
So there was a lot of evidence that by starving these cancer cells of sugar, that your prognosis in the end may be better, depending on what the type of cancer it is. Um, as far as the hallmarks of cancer, it's like, okay, what else can we do? We've got cortisol. We can you know, limit our cortisol or try to reduce our cortisol. But what, can, what else can we do to help try to detox uh, our system? Well, let's say you don't have access to a functional medicine doctor. Or you don't have access to a naturopath that can give you IV glutathione. You can actually go out and buy glutathione right now. Um, you can go to any whole paycheck or I'm sorry, whole foods. Um, and you can buy it. It's readily available and it comes in easy to use single packs. You can get it in a large container. And what I do is I take about a teaspoon a day at home. And then when I'm at work, I do the same. But anytime we come back from a call, i.e. car fire, encampment fire, structure fire, um, heavy content structure, I'll take another dose just to kind of um, give myself some added benefit. And we know that the glutathione, again, a naturally occurring antioxidant will get in there and help flush out the, out the system and, and clean you up. Um, as far as going to the doctor, right? This is a tough one. Um, you go to your, your PCP and you tell them, hey, I'm a firefighter. I, I know I've been exposed to a lot of stuff. What can you offer me? And the bottom line is they really can't. So that's where I'm really trying to advocate for folks to maybe consider finding a functional medicine doctor or a naturopath in your area that can do the same testing that they did on me as well as these other firefighters. So they can determine what your levels of exposure are and then put you on a detox program because that's where this should really begin is try to get the bad stuff out of our systems to helpfully prevent us from getting cancer down the road. Okay. So let's say you don't, let's say you detox and you still have a lot in your system or you don't detox. And what's the next step? Well, if you're not going to do that, you should at least go out and get a cancer specific blood test. All right. Those are not offered at most of your general practitioners. Um, there's only two that I know of. There's the one test and the gallery test. I think they're ballpark like $400 a piece and they have to be prescribed by a doctor. The thing about these blood tests, which makes them pretty cool, is we call them liquid biopsies, right? So as these cancer cells shed materials in the body, these uh, blood tests are designed to go in there and find out, one, is there cancer present? And number two, if it is, where is it at? Or where is it coming from? So they can go figure out where it is. And the specificity behind it, it's pretty accurate. Like I know the gallery test is like a 5% like you know false positive so 95% of the time they're getting it right okay so so that's really good news usually if you catch if you take that blood test you're catching it pretty early all right unless you've been dealing with some symptoms for a long time and you haven't spoken to anybody about it because remember a lot of times um well established cancers will not present themselves until you start to see symptoms, which is what we don't want. So being pre pre proactive and getting these blood tests can help us determine if we're, we're, we're dealing with something. So the blood test will tell us cancer, yes, cancer, no. The next step is if you have the resources is to go out and get a full body MRI. Um, unlike the blood, 
test, the full body MRI will not only tell us if we have any masses or things we need to be um, concerned of in our bodies, but it can also tell us other things like the aneurysm. You know, are you dealing with any arthritis? Um, is your heart enlarged? You know, what are your blood vessels looking like? You know, um, I know a few guys that have gotten the MRI scan and have come back and identified, oh, wow, I've been having this chronic pain in my knee for years. And now I know what it is because I went and got my scan done. And so now I can write it up and, and get it taken care of. What's a rough ballpark cost on that? Uh, well, you bring, that's that's a great point. So and unfortunately, when you look at any stuff like this, especially as it relates to like longevity, it's, it's, I hate to say this, but it's designed for rich people. You know, I mean, this whole pre nuvo scan was not designed for firefighters or first responders. It was designed for rich people that have a lot of money to go in and figure out, you know, what they can do to stay alive longer. Um, you're looking at about, without any discounts, you're looking at about 27, 2800 bucks for a full body scan. And is pre nuvo like a franchise system that, or like it's just in California or is it national? No. So the good news is back, back when I got my scan, there were, there were only a small, it was like Seattle, Los Angeles, Menlo Park. Uh, there was one in Florida. So there were only a few, but as in the next year, I think they're getting into DC, Denver, um, all over the United States because it's grown in such popularity. And, you know, so when I have people ask me, they say, Oh man, that's so much money. I'm like, I get it, man. I get it. That's a lot of money, especially if you're a volunteer, you know, you're a volunteer fireman and you want to try to figure out if you have cancer, asking you to spend $400 on a blood test or let alone 2,700 bucks on that full body MRI is totally unreasonable. So what I try to tell people is I'm like, look, budget it, <clears throat> you know, 200 bucks a month into a you know flexible spending account or health savings account. And then at the end of the year, you've got your money, go get your body scan. Next year, you get your blood work done. And, you know, because the, the good news is with the MRIs, you don't need to get them done every year. Prenuvo recommends every two years. I'm getting ready to go in for another scan in the next couple of months. So you don't need to do it every year. So, you know, I think if we had to go down a list of priorities, I would probably say, you know, let's say you're a, a fireman that lives in a small town. You don't have access to all this stuff. What are some of the things that you can do? I think the first thing is go out and get the blood test. Order a one test, order a gallery test through your doctor, get your blood checked, and then do your own self-detox. You know, you can um, get the oral glutathione and start taking it on your own. It's not as potent as if you got it nebulized or IV, but it's still going to work. And then, um, yeah, and then from there, just watch your diet, watch your body weight get your regular checkups. And most importantly, if you noticed any changes in your body, you got to report them to your doctor. Don't sit on them for too long. All right. Now, if you have unlimited resources or you live in a larger area or an urban area, then my recommendation in, in talking to my doctor is, you know, he actually thinks that we should, as firefighters, we should be getting scans and blood work done every year. I'm like, dude, I can't do that. That's no way. It's too expensive. It's unrealistic. Yeah. Um, so for me, my plan is I get an MRI, full body MRI every other year. So even years, and then on my odd years, I do my, my blood test, which would be like a one test or a gallery. And then I also get my labs drawn from Dr. Holder once a year to see where my levels are and then do a glutathione IV regimen as, as necessary. 
Okay. And then of course I throw in cold plunging. Sauna, I use sauna. Sauna is another great avenue, which um, we could talk about in terms of detox at the fire station. You know, I think um, the general rule, if we want to go back for a second, is when you come back from a fire, is we what shower within the hour. You know, make sure we get all of our gear cleaned off. Shower within the hour, and if you're gonna sauna, it should be within 12 to 24 hours after the incident. Okay, so you get off work. If you don't have a sauna at home, you can stop off at the gym, get in there, get a good sweat on for 20 minutes. We know that it will help release toxins. And we certainly know that saunas help with cardiovascular and brain health. So it's kind of a win-win either way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I'm actually happy to announce that as of this week, Solace Saunas is an affiliate. We're an affiliate for Solace Saunas as well. And I'm very, very fortunate where my family bought me a home sauna from them a couple years ago because I deal with uh, Meniere's disease, which is like vertigo, oh, wow. air pressure deal. And there's quite a bit of research in regards to that to help with inflammation and uh, with Meniere's specifically. And so we're like, well, heck, let's give that a go. Because when I get Meniere's, I'm out of service for like five or six days at a time. Not bad. Uh, yeah, it's not, not fun at all. And that's made a, a marked difference in my um, day-to-day dizziness, um, and has pretty much in conjunction with some medication eliminated it, which is amazing. And, and solace has been really, really great to work with so far. Um, they do have firefighter emergency responder discounts, military discounts. Um, they're awesome. And they're happy to provide research, um, related to saunas. The sauna that we have, it, um, is an infrared sauna and it's, it's fantastic. You know, it's a little bit different technology than the old school. It's cooler, than, than yeah. a regular sauna. Um, so we're not going to, I'm going to do a whole podcast on saunas for sure. Um, but I'm glad that you said that. And real quick, because my wife is a physician assistant, a PA, I'm going to say, you know, for all the angry doctors, cause we do have some physicians that are, that are luckily listening to this podcast. So when you can send all of those angry emails to Chris, I'll give you his, <laughs> there, you know, there's, there's physicians out there that are amazing. There are physicians out there that could use some work it's no different than firefighters, you know, yes. or cops or EMTs or whatever. And so yeah. um, important. That's very important to mention, you know, there are, you know, we have to be realistic, you know, it doesn't matter what profession you're in. There's amazing people and there's people that are just not so, not so great. Absolutely. And it's yeah. our job. It, once again, it's our job to own our own journey, own our own um, health, own our health care. If that provider's not doing what you expect of them, then go somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Um, but remember your Google medical degree doesn't necessarily outweigh their <laughs> five years of um, experience either. Yeah. So, but have, have an open conversation and it's really up to us to educate them. You know, and my primary care physician, I went in with that IFF letter with a Boston letter and said, Hey, here's, here's kind of a thing that we're dealing with. And he was amazing and did all kinds of research and, you know, he hung it up and laminated a coffee. So that way, if he sees any emergency responders, he brings it in and he's like, Hey, do you know about this? Right. Wow, and that's so, a completely different experience than me. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. You that's know, great. So I would also say, okay, pre-Nubal, right? That's I'm guessing a brand and a trade name, and they have awesome reports and things like that. Um, but contact your local imaging center and say, Hey, do you guys offer full body scans? This is why I'm I'm doing this, and I'm gonna be self-pay, right? Because we know insurance isn't gonna cover that. Right. What does that look like? And see, maybe, maybe the report isn't as clean and as sparkly. Um, but you can then take that to your PCP who then hopefully can 
or maybe the radiologist reads it. I don't know how all that stuff works, but like, well, you, you bring up a good point. You bring up a really good point. So when I got my scan done, I still needed to take it back to my doctor and then get a secondary MRI with, um, radioactive dye. And the purpose of the radioactive dye is will actually uh, should be able to tell us if it's malignant or not based on how it lights up on the scan. Mm -hmm. So I ended up, yes, I ended up having to get a second, second MRI through my, my PCP. And yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yeah, if you have an imaging center in your area that can um, offer those services, then yes, by all means, yeah, go for it. And I'm really glad to hear that your doctor was so proactive with you in terms of, you know, the, the IFF, uh, the Boston check sheet. That That's that's really, really great. Um, yeah. I, the one thing that I have run into is very interesting. Like so when you bring a lot of these things up, i.e. cortisol management, uh, glutathione specifically, there's a lot of physicians who just, especially in, in the network that I work in, they don't know anything about it. Or if they do, it's it's very, very little. And so, uh, you know, one thing when we get done here is hopefully everybody will be able to get into the documents that I, I'm having you attach and you'll be able to see both the pre and post results of, of, of individuals who receive the glutathione treatment. And keeping in mind, of course, this is IV, it's not nebulized or um, liposomal or, or it's, it's not, it hasn't been taken orally. Um, the other thing I would probably just tell people is like, look, if you do end up with a cancer diagnosis, like when I found out I had my tumor, um, you know, lean into the people that, that you, that you love, use the resources that you have available. So peer support, um, you know, firefighter cancer network has great resources for firefighters that get diagnosed with cancer, but also do yourself a favor and do, go out and get a second or a third opinion um, for a couple of reasons. One, it'll either confirm in your mind that the path that your doctor wants to take is the right one because the other doctors might go, yep, I would do the exact same thing. Or you might run into a doctor that might look at your situation and go, eh, well, you know what, this was missed. And you know, maybe this is not the best way to consider attacking this, this type of cancer. And I'll give you an example. So my uh, captain, who was diagnosed with prostate cancer, um, ultimately got radiation treatment. And unfortunately that left him with some untoward effects um, post-treatment, uh, which has kind of changed his life a little bit. I mean, he's certainly still alive and he's with his family, but it's, it's caused some problems. Had he gone to a different hospital in Southern California um, where they're using proton therapy, a lot of the tissue that he had damaged during the radiation treatment would have been spared and he wouldn't have had any side effects. Um, so it's it's a good idea to go out and get that second or third opinion. And, you know, you don't be afraid to hurt the doctor's feelings that's treating you. Just say, hey, doc, that's that's great. I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a couple of different opinions. Um, and then from there, I would encourage people like if you get a cancer diagnosis and you're going to receive treatment, specifically radiation and chemotherapy, have a discussion with your doctor about tox toxicology. Because one thing in talking to my doctor is like, look, Chris, if you came to me with a cancer diagnosis, the first thing I'm going to do is I want to go in and check your levels and detox you because you don't want to go into chemotherapy with all this crap in your system. All right. And oddly enough, 
a lot of times when people don't tolerate chemotherapy, they'll usually give them glutathione to help them get through the chemotherapy. So his thought is, look, you come up with cancer, let's just say it's prostate, you get treated, you go into remission. Um, you'll never, you're very rarely hear the term cure used. It's usually remission with a year survivability rate. <clears throat> Reality is you still have all those toxins in your blood. So either one, your cancer's likely to come back or two, you're going to develop another type of cancer. So the, the idea about trying to detoxify this stuff out of our systems is something that we really need to take a look at down the road. Yeah. And that's something I honestly haven't heard anything about other than, right. I'm going to do an herbal cleanse or something like that, but we yeah. don't really ever talk about, yeah, these chemicals that we know that you talked about at the beginning, you know, these heavy metals and that sort of stuff. Um, how do we get rid of some of that stuff? And then we also know with some of the PFAS, you can't, you know, um, well, that's, that's so, so I'm not gonna, again, I don't want to get anybody excited because there's a lot of research that needs to be done. Um, but if you look at, when you go to look at the documents that I posted, um, this gentleman's, um, PFAS levels were measured and after his first treatment, um, he had a reduction. Oh, wow. Cool. Okay. Now that's anecdotal, yeah. right? It's anecdotal. It could be his own body. It could be the treatment. We don't know, but it, it's something that makes you go, hmm, mm -hmm. is this something, right? Yeah. As, on top of the fact that if you look, when you see all of his other labs, they were just drastically reduced in some cases so much that they don't even appear on the second report, which is which is really cool. Um, kind of going back a little bit, um, are you aware of what they're doing in Phoenix? Um, probably not. So explain. Okay, so Phoenix Fire... It, partnered with a uh, cancer center and got a team of doctors together and basically have offered them screening. And to my understanding, it could be more now, but they, they ran 800 firefighters through their screening process, which included blood work, MRIs, and they found um, 80 of them had cancer. So like a 10%. All right. So there's, there's things happening across the country, which I think are really, really cool. But as far as like detoxifying and dealing with the stuff that's inside us, we need to be taking a closer look at, you know, what can we do to get this stuff out? Now, that being said, um, I haven't been able to find the information, but there's been some whispers that out of Arizona, they've been finding that blood trend, excuse me, blood and plasma donation can eliminate 40 to 50% of the PFAS in the blood, hmm. which is interesting. Um, more to come on that. I hope so. We'll have to see how that goes. All right. Um, but the bottom line is if you're looking for really good information on PFAS and where, where they originated, how they got into our system, that documentary that I posted on the Bloomberg investigation, fantastic. Fantastic. Especially when we start talking about um, pregnant women. Yeah. Yeah. And that part was insane. Yeah. Wasn't I, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I highly encourage people to watch that because it's 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 an eye opener for sure. The IFF actually has a really good video. It's a, a panel discussion with some doctors as well as firefighters on PFAS and the fire service. It's also a great resource. They offer a lot of great information. They kind of cover a little bit that's in the documentary, but I think that documentary really gets down to the uh, the finer points of what these chemicals are and how they affect us. Yeah, absolutely. And all of that stuff is going to be linked in the show notes. This can be like the world's longest 
show notes with links and resources for you. <laughs> and for all of those of you that are out there that are passionate about this stuff, if you have more resources or have studies that you found, right? I'm not talking blog posts necessarily. I'm talking peer-reviewed studies. If we're going to cite studies, um, send them to me um, through the channels at Firefighter Craftsmanship. And we will add those. We'll just create a running list on this podcast for hopefully years to come. And as new resources come out, we'll continue to to update that or do more podcasts and things like that. So a lot of really great work being done out there. And we know that there's a lot of science labs that are really, really heavily looking into this stuff because it's certainly not limited just to the American fire service um, or emergency response. You know, there's, there's a lot of work that's being done on this and we really got to get ahead of it um, all the way down to, you know, take a look at the cookware in the firehouse. What are you cooking yeah. on? Uh, yeah. What's the condition of that? Um, so right. all of you cast iron aficionados should be celebrated. Maybe we should yeah. be looking at <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. hands that we're using, right? And spending more than 15 bucks on a piece of crap cooking product. So well, that and I think, you know, if if you look back on my career, I mean, now's the time to be a firefighter. I mean, whether you're learning your craft or as it relates to cancer you know, your chances now of surviving cancer are probably going to be much more higher than they were earlier on because of all the information and all the resources that are available. So my hope is, you know, in the in the years to come, and there's a lot of research that's being done. Um, it's just going to take time for them to extrapolate all that information and come up with a plan, is that we can maybe take some of the information that we're talking about here today and maybe even approach, you know, IFF or CPF and um, say, hey, look, there's something you should take a look at. And, you know, maybe this is something that we can do a study on and uh, kind of see where it goes. But at the end of the day, I'm just here to kind of share my story, how I got to where I am, what my thoughts are on, um, you know, detox and taking care of myself as it relates to uh, working with my physician. You know, take the information that I'm giving you today, do your homework. Um, you know, it's, you know, review it, you know. If you don't agree with it, let me know because, you know, you might see something that I'm not picking up on, or maybe my doctor's not picking up on. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of things that we discussed today are things that you can institute now that aren't going to hurt, certainly aren't going to hurt you. Yeah. So, you know, like some actionable items, what, what's kind of your opinion? You know, like a question I like to ask, I'll start to ask this to most of my guests, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges, one or two of the biggest challenges in relation to you know, typically I'm going to ask it a relation to mental fitness and things like that, but I think that this is very important. So I guess what are one or two of the biggest challenges you think that the fire service is currently dealing with? I think you've talked about them, um, but then like, what are some of the actionable items, right? That maybe we can band together, whether it's our unions or just a working group. I mean, I think municipalities and, and chiefs of all levels, regardless of your opinion of the chief, right? They want their people to be healthy. You know, um, they they need them to be healthy first off, but they really do. And so, like, what are some of the opportunities maybe that you guys have had success with or that are maybe on the horizon? I think there's a lot of information out there. Um, how, where do I think what we need to watch out for is um, there's a fire department in Northern California just down the street from where I live. Uh, I'm not going to say their name because I haven't gotten their permission, but they are putting their whole department through the program that I went through with my doctor. So their staff is coming in and drawing their blood and urine, testing it, bringing, bringing the results back and saying, here's your exposure levels. 
and then putting for them through IV glutathione treatments to help reduce those levels. They are doing it right, I think, to the point where their fire chief said, that's it, no more plastic bottles. And he bought everybody canteens, you know, metal canteens to reduce the BPA around the firehouse. So I'll be really curious to see where that goes. Um, and I think that's going to be a, like a really good opener to some conversations, if not here in Northern California, maybe across the nation. But I think the biggest thing we can do right now is we need to come together as a fire service and recognize that early detection and prevention is key when it comes to cancer. And if there's one thing that I think we could do is find funding, whether it's federal, local, doesn't really matter, so that firefighters can go and get one of these liquid biopsies, if you will, all these blood tests. And um, from career firefighters at large urban departments all the way down to the volunteers, you know, we should have access to stuff like this. We shouldn't have to be, you know, having doors shut on us or, you know, no access to these things because of funding. It's it's just, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Well, I'm getting creative, right? We've got a bunch of creative folks in the fire service and we're really good at sometimes being salesmen, you know, yeah. salesmen, salespeople. And so yeah. reach out to these organizations and these companies, right? If you find your imaging center will do this sort of stuff, be like, cool. You, what sort of a deal will you give me if I bring you 40 of us, right? <laughs> well, know? so on that note, we, um, my department is, uh, in, we, is in negotiations with Prenuvo and we are looking at a very, very, very deep, I mean, the department's going to pick up most of the tab and don't quote me on this, but the last I heard was perhaps if the scan costs 2,700 bucks, we're going to pay 800 bucks out of pocket and the department's going to pick up the rest. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. So Chase we're very fortunate, ever, right? Lots of grant funding that goes unused every year. Yes. Yeah. Avenues that was, that was my next one is, you know, grant, get a grant, you know, get a grant and, um, or on the union side of it, really push in your next contract negotiations to have your health and wellness fund bumped up so you can, you know, um, send people to this. You know, uh, we were very fortunate, our health and wellness, we did that. And because of it, you know, we have money to be able to send people to um, post-trauma retreats. Um, and, you know, we have access to physical therapists on duty. Uh, we have access to athletic trainers on duty, dietitians on duty, and even a sports psychologist. Um, and so I think the next step for us in, in the cancer realm is getting these scans as well as the blood tests. And, you know, if anything, I'm hoping we can, you know, at least be an example that people can look at and try to bring it back to their department. Absolutely. How many, how many members do you have on the job roughly uniform? Oh, uh, between suppression and inspection, like the fire prevention division, you're looking at about a little over 120. Okay. So good mid-sized department, all career. Yeah. All career. Yeah. We have no, no reserves, no volunteers. And then do you have um, like a wellness coordinator or human performance coordinator or anything like that? That's full-time on staff. We do. So uh, we contracted with, uh, we, we joined up with the police department and we contacted, uh, contracted with O2X. And so we have a physical, like a, um, a, a, a trainer and a physical therapist on staff every day of the week. And that's a strength and conditioning coach when you say exactly. Training. Yeah. And, and they also offer, um, we have access to a dietitian and it, man, I got to tell you, it's great. You know, if you have an ache or pain, you just uh, set up an appointment and the PT will come to the station and work on you right there. It's great. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. A lot of really cool stuff happening out there. Right. And it probably doesn't cost that much money. 
when it's all said and done. You know? Well, yeah, you end up saving on the other side, right? There's workers' comp injuries, so. Correct. Yeah, if we're getting people back to work faster or keeping them at work happy, healthy, and strong, um, yeah. limiting burnout, all those sorts of things. Um, that's one of those things that's kind of hard to measure. You know, it's it's yeah. hard sometimes to say, well, I don't have black and white numbers because we don't know how many injuries we've necessarily prevented if they're doing good PT work and and things like that, you know? Yeah. So um, I think in, the thing I want to just say in closing up here is first off, thanks for the opportunity to get on here and, and tell you my story. Um, but most importantly is I really wanted to get out to our brothers and sisters, you know, the fire fire department, the fire service is an amazing job and it's afforded me things that I never thought I'd be able to do. And I've had some amazing experiences, but it's, it, it costs, it's going to cost you, whether it's in your mental health or physical health, that's, it's going to take something back from you. And it really breaks my heart to see guys that have worked decades in the fire service and within a month of them leaving, get a cancer diagnosis. So, you know, whether you're going to do some of the things I mentioned or some other route, please, you know, take care of yourselves and you owe it to yourself to be able to walk out that door and have a happy and healthy retirement. Yeah, I totally agree. Thank you, Chris. Unbelievable. I really, uh, I really appreciate you coming on here, reaching out, being vulnerable and and saying, Hey, here's, here's the story. Here's the things that I knew. Here's the things I didn't know. Here's what I know now. Um, that's, that's the only way that all of us are going to learn. So thank you very much for, for taking the time and energy. We really, really appreciate it. How can folks get a hold of you or follow you on the socials or whatever you're into? Yeah. So I'm not really on the socials. Um, you can hit me up via email. It's C V A N L U E N at Gmail. So you can blast me there with uh, all the angry docs can hit me up at that email. Um, by all means, if you have any questions, hit me up there. I'll gladly share my phone number. We can have conversations over the phone, text, whatever. But um, yeah, I'm available if you need me. Awesome. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. Um, yeah, no worries, Kevin. We uh, we thank you all for taking the time to listen to this stuff. Please reach out with questions. Don't forget to rate, review, share the show. That's the only way that we can get this podcast into the ears um, and the hands of decision makers and things like that. Um, so please continue to give us amazing support and share the podcast and go ahead and smash on that good old follow button on podcast. We release one every single Wednesday and uh, thanks again, Chris. Um, stay smart out there. Cheers. Take care, buddy. Thank you for listening to the firefighter craftsmanship podcast, where we give you real tools to train ultimate human performance, both on and off the emergency scene. You can find more information on our webpage at firefightercraftsmanship.com, including all the classes that we offer, and there's plenty of free resources and training on the site as well. Reach out to us on social media, including Instagram and Facebook. We'd love to have a conversation and figure out how we can help you achieve your goals. Stay smart. Stay smart.